Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I think, I mean, actually, this week is actually an exciting week yeah, because moods are lifted. Moods are lifted a little bit mm. more than just the same every week mm. because um, if you do follow us on Instagram on Keep It Cleaner, you might have seen we have finally been able to share something with you all that we have been working on for a very long time and we can't say anything more. We're so sorry, but if you if you <laughs> want to see what's coming, go and look at our Instagram um, on Keep It Cleaner. There's some rooms on there. Yeah. And what random colourful rooms we have. What are they for? What are they for? I don't know. No, we, I've got, we know, but we just can't say yet. Anyway, we're so excited. Um, yeah. We hope you guys are excited too. We'll, more to come very, very soon. We'll um, just yes. keep an eye on the Keep It Cleaner Instagram. We promise we'll be sharing more very soon. <laughs> but yeah, moods are certainly lifted. Um, this week, Laws, what is your special share? Yes, this week. Well, my special share this week is something that um, uh, hasn't happened yet. Okay. Again, I'm back there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is our Best Friends Day workout okay. that we are doing tomorrow. Yeah. So this is very funny of me to say, like, it's recommend be, recommend something that we haven't done yet and recommend something we're doing. Mm. But anyway, um, we are doing a special live workout together mm. tomorrow morning, which is on Thursday, the... What is the date tomorrow? <laughs> oh my goodness! This is this, this is, is true. ISO style. This is ISO. You like, just don't even know what day it is. Or the thirtieth. Hang on, the thirtieth. Okay, <laughs> so um, on the thirtieth of. July, June, July. June, July, 30th of July, which is tomorrow. Um, we've got our uh, Best Friends Day workout. It starts at 7 a.m. Steph and I will be taking the workout. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to get our heart rates up. The workout will go for about half an hour, and then we're going to do a Q&A and answer any of your questions. Um, you don't have to be a part of Kick. I mean, we'd, we'd love if you were, but you don't have to be a part of it. You can come. It's free to do. Anyone is welcome. Um, you just have to literally click onto the Instagram Live and... We'll be working out together. It'll be fun. It'll be lots of fun. It'll be fun. What is your special share? My special share is also a workout because my glutes are so sore right now. <laughs> yesterday, well, not yesterday, actually, by the time you're listening to this, the other day I tried the live Keeper Clean. It was Laura's first live Keeper Cleaner in this second round of virtual gym. So if anyone did that workout, it was a 20-minute hit workout, you would absolutely know <laughs> my pain. Um, we did save it to our IGTV. So if you guys want to go and try it, I think we named it Laura's Hit Challenge because it really was a <laughs> challenge. And um, it was only 20 minutes, no equipment needed, and my glutes are literally like, – Literally every time I sit down, I'm I'm feeling the pain. It, it, it's a lot. But it was so good. And your encouragement the whole way through was insane. Like the whole time I was doing it, I was like, I can't believe this is alive. I can't believe I'm watching her live right now because she has not stopped talking. And yet she's still doing burpees. Like how is this possible? So it was, it was really, really good. And I think knowing that when I did watch it initially happen, happening, I saw like 600 people on the live and just thinking like so many people have done this and they were all doing it together. Like now you've got to get through it. It was really motivational so 
we do do these lives and we've got this best friend one. But if you did miss any of the ones from the virtual gym, you can always go back and try them out on our IGTV. And, and, and that is one I highly recommend. Yeah, <laughs> that it was a lot. And I the next day on, on my Apple Watch, it said I did six minutes of exercise because that's all I did yeah. because I couldn't move and I couldn't do anything and I was so tired. <laughs> but anyway, it was good. I've got a random question for you before we get okay. into today's podcast. Sure. What's your favourite block of chocolate at the moment? Oh, my God, that is a I feel like question. our special shares weren't enough of like okay yeah let's do that um, <laughs> they were too healthy <laughs> you know what i i have a few that i always have on rotation okay you um, have to choose one. Oh, i said one no, <laughs> oh, no. you can you can you, um, can you can choose i love rotation. old gold roast almond okay that is like probably my all time and mm-hmm. i always go back to that but i also love chocolate covered goji berries Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, I That really is do. also not in block form. I know, it's not in so block form. So you've really gone rogue. Okay, <laughs> gone rogue. Sorry. What about you? What's yours? Well, funny you ask. <laughs> no, mine is I am on the caramel. Yes, oh, my God, how good Bandwagon. Is it? Oh, wow. It's so good. I'm worried soon I'm going to just turn into a caramel, caramel block because <laughs> I am just. And it's the thing with dark chocolate is I feel like dark chocolate Obviously, more cacao, so more benefits for health, more <laughs> antioxidants in there. But also, dark chocolate you can't eat a lot of. Yeah, you feel sick if you Caramel eat Caramel milk you can. And yeah. the thing is, you eat it so quick and then and then you feel sick. Yeah. <laughs> it's the like, what? Anyway, I'm very on mm, that at the moment. I um, agree. Yeah, th- random. Anyway, oh. thank you. <laughs> so now, let's get into today's podcast. Steffi, who have we got today? We have the incredible Kristen Fisher, and she was a delight. She's so funny. She is hilarious. Mm. And we spoke to Kristen about her journey from she she owns a probably the a most iconic well eyebrow yeah. um, studio in Australia, Absolutely. maybe in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we go with that. Kristen Fisher eyebrows and her journey from starting her she she was in her mum was a hairdresser and or is a hairdresser and mm. she started in the side of her mum's hairdressing salon, waxing um, in Perth, and then has built her business up to now being the incredible business and studio that it is now in Sydney and I think one of the most amazing the other thing that we love so much about Kristen she speaks so much about determination and hard work and you know knowing what you want to do and going with it um, no matter what even Mm. if people are telling you that you know it's not the right career choice for you or you should do something more academic or whatever Mm. it might be she stuck to her guns and and just followed her dreams and she's kind of made it a reality so yeah Yeah. and she's also really just true to herself even on her social medias if you follow her you you would see how like real and raw she is with things like motherhood and her anxiety and everything like that so we did we did speak a little bit about that as well and we hope you guys enjoy it hello how are you hi girls i'm good how are you very very good very jealous because we are not in your state right now in this time how you feeling about it (laughs) yeah it's 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 a lot to be honest i think like when it first came up i was like yep Fair enough. Knew that was kind of going to happen. But then it kind of hit me and I realised, oh, wait, that means I can't see my family anymore. Mm. Oh, wait, that means I can't keep going and enjoying, like, going to the cafe like I had been so looking forward to doing beforehand. So I think it kind of is slowly hitting me more and more as we go. And all the businesses that totally opened and only got to open for... How long were we out of ISO for? Maybe, like, six 
yeah, maybe weeks or something. But all of those long. businesses, they got through it the first time yeah. and now they have to get through it again. And I feel like, you know, there's a saying like once you've done something once, you can do it again. But I feel like in ISO, it's like it was so draining for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's like now we know what we're in for, like especially for all those businesses. Yes. So, yeah, we just I just really feel for them. And I think knowing what you're in for can go both ways. Like it can also yes. be, it can be good because like it won't be as shocking this time around. Like we've done it before. We kind of know what's happening. But then as Laura just said, it's like when you know what's coming, you know how much it sucked. It's like, oh God, that's what's ahead of us. But anyway. So did my brow friends in Melbourne wrote to me. I said, they're like, it's happened again. I was like, God. Oh. I could see friends of mine dashing out to get their nails done, going to the pub for their last meal. Like, Yeah. Oh, it was so. really like that because it was such short notice as well. Mm. It was like, okay, what, what can we do make the most of it? Um, but 2020, all in all, has been a really, really big year for everybody. How yeah. are you going? Do you know what? I'm actually doing really well. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry to rub that in. No, I mean, considering it's been a rough year for everyone there's no one that's hurt mm. i mean this this is just bizarre it keeps getting more and more bizarre mm. as the weeks roll on but yeah it's been a really great great time for me we've been evolving um the business has been evolving which is really good um it's been challenging but i'm seeing the positive in what you know what's happened i guess which was the quiet time that we all had that we never i've never had before i've never slowed down mm. like that ever which i guess now that you guys are in lockdown again this is what i was thinking the first time we went into lockdown as bad as this sounds it was it's kind of like a welcome break for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But second time around, you're probably like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, I actually enjoyed that quiet time, aside from the fact yeah. that it was awful what was going on. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, yeah, we've had heaps of family time, which was really nice, um, time that we've never probably had that – we haven't had that much time mm-hmm. as a family together before, and we live in an apartment, so that was really cosy. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's time for the business, and it's taking over. So learning how to balance everything at the moment, like this new way of living. And on family, we would love to know what your family was like growing up and what your childhood was like. We, we know that you went to boarding school and you grew up in Broome. Yes, I did. I grew up in Broome. So I uh, grew up in Broome. I moved there when I was nine. I'd lived in another town in the south of WA before that. So I moved to Broome when I was nine, which is kind of all I really remember. You know, I don't remember the, the time before that. Um, but that was pretty amazing, you know, living in the Kimberley, being able to, we went camping on the weekends. Um, and just having such a free lifestyle. I mean, I think mm. about how I grew up with my kids. There's no way I would let my kids just go and play with kids on the street. <laughs> and like, we just go out in the afternoon and come home at dinner time, like you see in the old yeah. movies. Uh, so that was really amazing. Went to boarding school in Perth, which I loved. I made a lot of connections there and like strong friendships that I've still got to this day. They're kind of like family, those girls. And we still talk mm. all the time. Uh, my parents have been always been very encouraging. We've got a really tight knit family and they've helped me so much in my you know adult life obviously all throughout my life but in particular in business my dad's in business as well so he's really been helpful um and my mum was actually always kind of worked from what I remember she was a stay-at-home mum but always did a bit of something she was hairdressing or she was always doing something that you know like was always bringing money of some description so yeah family's always been very important to me my family are very we're very very close so I miss them dearly they're in WA obviously they're in Broome and I've this is the longest we've ever gone without seeing them Speaking, yeah, you know, I really, I, totally. I feel for all the families that have got family either overseas or yeah. interstate. It must be really hard. I know. Like when, when it would have been, I think January when we saw them. Mm. And I don't even know when I'm going to be able to cross the border again. So, yeah, that's really sad. But thank God for FaceTime, right? 
Yeah, I know. My mum always says that to me because she moved. She was from England and she moved away from her family to come live here with my dad. And um, she did that when she was 20. And so ever since then, basically things like um, she called her mum like three times a week and all that sort of stuff. But she says, you know, back in the day before all that, I couldn't have imagined. Like it was already hard just doing calls and like having to go landline and everything back yes. in the day. Now being able to FaceTime her mum and stuff, she's like, it makes the world of difference. Mm. So she still lives there in the UK, her mum? Yeah, yeah, her whole family's over in the UK. Yeah. Um, Gosh, yeah. she must really be feeling it now. That's a huge <laughs> well, yeah, move. yeah. And your mum worked in beauty, didn't she? You just mentioned that she did a bit of hairdressing. Yeah, so she was a hairdresser by trade. And I guess that's why I felt so confident going into beauty. I mean, as I said, mm-hmm. I went to boarding school and a lot of the girls there went on to university and studied dentistry and medicine and everything. And they were all, it was, we had so many opportunities at that school, but... I decided to go and do into beauty because I just, that's what I wanted to do. And I thought, we're in this for the long haul. I want to be happy. <laughs> and so yeah. they were really, they were really um, positive. And my parents were so happy that I was going to beauty school. My, my parents actually helped set up my first salon. Um, it was inside my mum's hair salon, which was <laughs> a long time ago, back in the day. And then, yeah, from there, they've been, you know, with me every step of the way. That's awesome. I think it's really important to have those kind of parents that are really supportive of whatever kind of direction you go in. But I'm sure being in the prestigious school that you did go to, did you get judgment from maybe your peers or even teachers? Yeah, I I do remember I did get some form of, you know, you know, you're not going to... In WA, it's called your TEE. I think it's an HSC over here. I don't know Mm. what you guys call it down there. Um, I didn't do that because I knew from the end of year 10 that I definitely just wanted to do what was called it was kind of like a, not a traineeship but what was it called I can't even remember it was such a long time ago now but yeah I knew I was going to go to beauty school at the end of it so for year 11 and 12 we did work experience and I actually did it in salons like actually in hair salons and at the David Jones beauty counter and things like that mm-hmm. and there was quite a big group of us I remember at the time that went and did work experience in trades like different trades that all the girls wanted to do some were like some one went and did a like an electrician apprenticeship or something. Mm, mm. She went to the same school as me and she's a great electrician now, good on her. Um, so, yeah, I do remember feeling there was a bit of judgment, but I look back on it now and think, well, lucky stars, I did do this because especially in mm. times like these, trades could not be more relevant. You know, mm. we, we bounced back from that first lockdown like you wouldn't believe. You know, like we were definitely essential. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad I chose that. And and what would your advice be to anyone listening right now who kind of might feel pressure from from other places to do something more studious or follow a certain career path when their passion is somewhere else? What would what would your advice be to follow that passion? I would just say dig your heels in like I do. No, I mean trust your gut. If you know you want to do something, yeah. go go forth and do it, and don't be put into a category that somebody else wants you to be in just because just to please them I recently went on a health retreat and it was actually fascinating and I had this healing energy work and it was amazing because she said to me you know like you do what you want to do and you don't have to please other people you just have strength have enough strength to have your own voice and I was like that's so true um but it's always it is hard when you've got people that are obviously not pressuring you but suggesting something you know that you should be doing but just trust your gut and do what you want and mm. gain as much information as you can and knowledge on what you'd like to go go and do and if it's the right thing for you then just dig your heels in and do it yeah I love that that's so yeah. good you briefly touched on before that you started working in your mum's salon but you quickly grew out of that and you moved out of that salon at 19 
to go and do yeah. your own thing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So obviously, like I said, they were very supportive, my parents, and they set mm. up a hair salon and they had this little room in there and I started waxing out of there. And at the age <laughs> of 19, yeah, I did. I needed a bigger space. So <laughs> I moved down the street um, on this street called, what street was I on? Some street in Subiaco, but like the La Dar mm. Street in Perth. It was amazing. <laughs> it's still amazing. It's a beautiful street. And so I set up a salon there. And then at the age of 23 or 24, I sold that business. That was my first business that I sold. And then I moved to Sydney. So I sold that. I think I was 23. I was 23. But yeah, that was a totally different time back then. That was a body waxing salon. And I used to do Brazilians every 20 minutes. Whereas now everyone gets laser. Um, <laughs> but I remember at the time I was doing, I, I can't remember how many Brazilians. I was doing so many Brazilians, like back-to-back Brazilians every single day, like 20 or 30 a day sometimes. It was insane like five minute Brazilian. So that was pretty cool. And that's how I think I gained a lot of confidence in how to speak with women, how to speak mm. to women and put them at ease. Cause obviously they're laying there with their legs, you know, no clothes on legs in the air, Totally. <laughs> you know, and I just would make people feel comfortable. And that was really probably where I look back. I think that was really one of the defining moments of my career because that's followed through me having that confidence mm. to make everyone feel comfortable. Everyone feel like they're all your best friend. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that's probably gotten me a lot to where you know where I am today. Everyone yeah, was my so best true. friend, whoever's listening. <laughs> you are my best friends. It does. It's true. I mean, I know when I go and get um, you know my hair done and things, I always talk to my hairdresser, kind of like almost like they're a therapist. Like yeah. you just say so if you're having a bad day, you just unload yes. it. And I suppose for you, you have to be able to be like, okay, I'm going to take this and yeah. I'm going to get going with the treatment. And, <laughs> and while you're there, lift your leg up, lift yeah. your leg up, roll over onto your side. No, I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. I can't believe I did that. I look back now and I think I had a full-on business. And I remember mm. my dad, and this is one of my biggest regrets, I remember my dad calling me into his office and saying, come on, I want you to sit down. I want to teach you just a little bit how to do, you know, and how to do your books and your tax. And I was like, I don't want to hear about it, Dad. And I regret that because that could have come in really handy when you, because the business then just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And obviously now I've had to outsource all of that, which is fine, but it just gives you an understanding on how business operates behind the scenes. Whereas I just, I mean, I was 19, 20, do you know what I mean? I wanted to go out and go to a nightclub or go, you know, so I was like, dad, I don't care. Just do it and get it done. My poor dad, God love him. Hi dad. (laughs) It's amazing. You still grew your your business to to where it was. I think, and it's so cool that for for people to listen and hear that because I think it's in starting a business something mm. that um, especially well actually not even just young people all people you kind of think oh I, I might be really passionate about you know waxing but mm. I don't know anything about tax I don't know anything about yes. accounting and all of these <laughs> other things but I suppose you just made it work and mm. and I think that's really inspiring in itself yeah. mm. I do still think though and to anyone listening that is thinking of starting a small business and has a passion or a trade or anything they think they're going to expand on and go into learning the business side of things, whether or not you're small to begin with, I would definitely invest some time in that because mm-hmm. I didn't. Mine all happened very organically and it just kept growing and growing and growing until obviously I had to, now I probably should make the time to learn more about, about the business side of things. But that's one thing I wish I understood a bit better because I sometimes sit in these meetings and I'm like, what the fuck are you all talking about? Like, <laughs> I just, you know, pay the bill and sign off. But yeah, I wish I kind of understood that a bit more. And my mum, she's going to sound kookier every time I say something, but she has, a, she, she has this psychic and this psychic's amazing, incredible psychic. Like it's everything bang on. She's in Perth. And she said to her, I think it was maybe 10 or eight, seven or eight years ago, she's like, this girl needs to do a business course. She has to do a business course. Like she kept pointing at me saying she needs to study some sort of business course. And my mum told me, I was like, oh, 
too busy for business goals. And now I wish <laughs> to God I did it. I understand why. I know why she said that. But anyway, so yeah, study business on the side if you can. And there's so many online courses. So then you sold your business that you'd built up um, in Perth and moved to Sydney, which is obviously such a big move. And I feel like if you'd built this big business up, it's such a big decision to to move, totally mm. sell it and then move states. What made you make the move? Um, I mean, obviously just being curious and wanting to, I just wanted more, I guess. And I, I kind of always knew I was destined for bigger things and I love Perth and I still would love to, love, love, love to live there one day. It's a dream of mine to actually live back there, but I just had to kind of follow what I wanted to do. And Sydney's the big smoke, you know, I was a young girl and I'd gone from the country in Broome, I went to boarding school in Perth, started this business in Perth and I just, I'd come over to visit, I'd come to Sydney to visit, Um, I had friends over here and I just said, I have to live there, I have to live there. So I went back, packed up my bags, I literally put the business on the market and sold it within, I think it was like two months or something and packed everything up and moved to Sydney and that was 10 years ago now. But I wasn't afraid, I guess, because I'd been to boarding school and I'd been away from home at such a young age, which that really gave me a lot of tools to kind of have that confidence to get up and move. And I knew I was only a flight, a flight away from home. And I mm. did say to my parents I'd be back in a year or two. So I kind of, <laughs> I've definitely extended that a bit. But when you, come, when you come, are you guys from Melbourne, I think? Yeah. You both are, yeah. So when you come from the country and you see a city like Sydney or Melbourne, it's just like, holy shit, you know? And now it's obviously the norm for me. Then I go to New York and I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> but <laughs> this, it was really big for me back then. And I was just so excited. But, yeah, and also living out of home and having to pay Sydney rent, that was just a challenge for me, which I wanted to overcome, mm. which I did. That's cool. It's, <laughs> like you see a, it's like you see a hill or something that you need to get over and you just had the attitude back then yeah. to just do it. I would smash that hill. With such a big decision like that and a big move in general, I'm sure comes quite a bit of a roller coaster of emotions. And you've spoken before about, you know, going through your highs and lows. Yeah. What what happened when you moved? Oh, I remember moving here and I mean, obviously being twenty I think I was twenty three, spending all my money wanting to go out. <laughs> like mm. obviously I was paying rent, but I remember one week I just couldn't we couldn't even afford food like avocados and things like that we were living off absolutely nothing me and my girlfriend lee um but it was yeah the not having your family around is definitely hard um i had some friends that lived here which was really good but sydney is so expensive as you guys know with melbourne like it's such it was such a shock for me um coming from you know perth that was obviously very affordable but yeah i mean i'm so glad i've navigated my way through it because that's what that's what cha- the challenges get you. I don't know. Like, that's what's got me here. I think you know, like mm. overcoming every challenge, and um, deter- I've been determined to just do better and make more and get myself further in life, which I have done. And don't get me wrong, I could be a hell of a lot further, but <laughs> um, we'll get there. So when I got here, I then met my husband Chris, who has been my best mate and supported me through everything, and he he really helped me build this career. Actually, so he had a gym in Paddington. Um, and he had this little room in his gym, which I had said to him one day, I was working for this brow company and I could, had no money. Like I could never, I never had any money. He was forever like, you know, feeding me and that's quite an expense. Um, and so he was like, I, he said, you know, like you're really good. You've got a really good name. Like clients love you. You should just try and do your own thing. And I was just so scared. I was like, no, I can't do that. We've got bills to pay and rent and da da da. I was only young. At this point, I think I was 25. Yeah, 25. 
nearly 25, so we've only been here for about a year and a half. And maybe not even, I think I was 24, turning 25. Anyway, he said, come on, I've got this room in this gym. And so I did, I resigned. I started working out, out of his gym. And that's when I had my little mobile business in the car. So I had all these girlfriends who were working in fashion and that's when fashion was, people would work in offices back in those days. And <laughs> I would go around to these offices and do 10 or 12 eyebrows in one, in one go and smash out those eyebrows. And I ended up making more money in one day than I used to make in a week. And that was really the best move I ever made was just taking that first chance to leave a job that you had a secure, secure income to then going out on your own. But that, like one day, the very first day, I made more than I ever made in a week. So I was like, that was pretty big. So I, there was working from the car and then the car was obviously got too hard driving around and going to places in Sydney. So then I went into full-time into this room in Chris's gym and that was just, by the end of, I think, how long was I there for? Probably five years, nearly five years. That was heaving, that little room. It was like heaving. <laughs> it was incredible. And it was just this tiny little dodgy room in the, like, if you saw where it was, you would just, you wouldn't believe it. Anyway, so from there, we completely outgrew that space and moved into the first salon, the first proper salon, and that was also in Double Bay. And that was, I think, 70 square metres. And I was there for three years before we outgrew that. So we did the full three years there. Mm. And then from there, we moved into this incredible space that I'm sitting in right now. Um, and that was nearly two years ago that we signed this lease. And that was a huge move. I mean, I'm talking, uh, Chris's gym was like $100 a week rent. And then the next move was $1,500 a week rent. And this place is five and a half thousand dollars a week in rent. And so Whoa. that's happened. Yeah, that's happened in not many years, really. Like I was only a handful of years ago, I was in that gym driving around in the car, you know. So that's just been the rise of, I guess, eyebrows and, and this, this brand, you know, over that time, which is just, it's, I mean, but don't get me wrong. This is not an easy feat paying the rent here, but <laughs> I, I was determined to do it. And smash it out. Thankfully, if COVID, COVID, you know, stays away, we can keep doing that. How did you find the courage to do that? Uh, that is just, it's such a big jump. Mm. I mean, from going from $500 a week rent to then going to two and a half or two and a half, did you say two and a half grand no, a week? No, 5000 a $100 a week rent to $5,500 a week. Like yeah. that is such a big jump. And I mean, that's not the only expense that a business incurs. Totally. Like obviously there's, mm-hmm. there's staff, there's the beautiful fit out you did. Yeah. There's so many other expenses. How did you find courage? And I suppose, how did you believe in yourself and your mm-hmm. brand and what you do enough to, to take that big jump? I think, and my, my lovely JM here can probably back me up on this. I think I'm crazy. And <laughs> I think I'm a bit of a lunatic. No, um, we did all we did the math on it all. We did we forecasted it quite a lot, and the numbers were really tight. Like the numbers were fucking tight. I'm not going to lie. I know, like, I think I ex- like exaggerated the numbers a little bit just so my financial controller was like, yeah, yeah, we can do this. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do that easy. But I, in the back of my mind, my gut knew that this was going to be hard yeah. work. Like I knew. Yeah. I was like, that is a huge undertaking. And you have to really work this and you have to evolve this brand. But I just knew I knew I could do it. I just didn't know how, but I knew I'd be able to do it. And so then we got the plans and started doing the getting ready for the fit out and what have you. And that went over budget like you wouldn't believe. Like it doubled. Mm. And that was incre- that was incredibly hard to pull that money together. That didn't exist. And we were just like it's basically like being reborn again. The brand was reborn again, essentially. But mm. I, we're now coming out the other side of it. And even though there was, it was the, the last two years have been really tough, but excitingly tough. I've loved it. It's just such a challenge. I think everyone else around me is panicking, whereas I don't really panic. I kind of do it my own way, but I'm like, oh, I don't know, work out. It's fine. 
And that's how I've always been. And so when we when we signed this lease, like I've signed for 10 years, I had to know that eyebrows were going to be big for 10 years mm. and know that I could afford this place for 10 years. And the fit out alone was just I'm probably still be paying that off in 20 years. time. So I don't know. <laughs> but I just believed in myself. Mm. And I kind of didn't even believe in the numbers that we had on paper, but I was like, oh, well, I'll make it work. That's amazing. It probably isn't the right way to go sometimes, but make sure, make sure you're definitely in a position that you can take those risks. And I look at all entrepreneurs out there that they've all taken risks. You're going to risk it to get the biscuit, and I've always said that. Mm. And it's paying off. So I think if you stay in a comfort zone, you're never going to get, you know, very far. Not very far, I shouldn't say very far, but you won't get as far as you could. Mm. Yeah, I think so many people we speak to that, that also run businesses, it's always a common thread that... It, when you ha- you are forced to make it work and there is no one there to help you and mm. if it doesn't work, it's all on you, I think it ignites a, an extra flame inside of you mm. that just makes you so, like solve any problem mm. that, yeah. com- that comes in front of you. I mean, I don't really sleep that to. well and I think this, that's the thing. Like I lay awake and I think, how can I generate more money from this space, this incredible space that we've fit out and we're paying, as I said, a lot of rent, but this space itself is like... Yeah, there's so much you can do within a space. There's, you know, there's not just eyebrows. So I start, obviously, you know, thinking about all the other things that could happen in here. And, you know, we're doing that now. We're coming, we're obviously putting a lot together, which is also in the pipeline. But um, you just have to think outside the square. And like you said, when you have no other option to make it work, you'll make it work. And that's what I do, I think. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> you do an amazing job. And during COVID, I mean, you've become um, a really big spokes- spokesperson for the beauty industry. How has, I suppose, how has that been? Do you feel like you have a huge weight on your shoulders and you kind of have to speak for everyone? Because it, it almost has been like that one. Like when you think of businesses, um, I suppose, and going through COVID, I, I think of you because you were the one on the news and, and in the <laughs> articles and everything, which is which is just amazing. What was that like, I suppose, for you to, to have that weight on your shoulders? And then also, what was it like for your business during COVID? Yeah. I mean, I, that kind of happened again organically. I didn't plan on becoming a voice for the industry, but I'm glad I, mm. I was because there was not any part of me that wanted to open to start making money again. I didn't, there was no, I couldn't, couldn't care less about that. The safety of everyone was paramount. And I still, to this day, stand by that. It just, things didn't make sense. And I understand that everyone was doing their best in a situation that no one's ever been through before. So I understand that. But there were blatant things that just didn't make sense, discrepancies in very similar industries, which we all know, and I've been very vocal about it. And that was really hard for me because I, I just thought this just isn't right and it's not fair. So that was it was more about that. I mean, again, it probably raised... <laughs> I probably didn't come across exactly how I wanted to come across in the you know some of those articles, but... It was more just about the fact that things just weren't right. Things weren't adding up. And I think in the end we did get through because mm. you saw what's his name speak, the health minister speak, shouldn't call him what's his name. What is his name again? Whatever his name is. Anyway, <laughs> he didn't say it's as essential, but everyone else did. And he eventually said, I've never, this is this has been the biggest request to date, is having beauty salons reopen. <laughs> um, and it's not a laughing matter because obviously at the end of the day, I mean, everyone was going through the same boat, but... Our salon is so sterile anyway. That's what annoyed me. I was mm. like, you, you men actually don't understand how we operate and what the, mm. how, what we have to mm-hmm. pa- what tests we have to pass to even open. And so that was what I was trying to educate them and go, come on, like understand this industry, this industry that generates a lot of money for this, you know, like we pay a hell, hell of a lot of tax as well. Like we are a real industry and you need mm. to understand how we operate. And you know when I was, 
I think it was eight or seven or eight. I remember saying when they said, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I used to say the first female prime minister of Australia. And mm-hmm. obviously I can't be that anymore. But I just feel like there needs to be more women in power because mm. the world is evolving and not not because, just not sorry, like during a pandemic beauty salons can be open, <laughs> but just because it's just very archaic how things can seem to men that are in power at the moment. But anyway, yeah. I quite liked being the voice of the beauty industry in that time. Um, I've quietened down a bit since then, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm sure everyone in your industry really appreciated it. Yeah. Because um, they would have been thinking the same thing. Yes. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is your beautiful children and how much you show of your motherhood on yes. social media, which is just so great. I think it's so beautiful how... Um, you know, you're a, you're a businesswoman, you share your business and everything online, but you also show the real side of things. Yes. Um, like that very um, interesting looking doll <laughs> that you posted the other week. Um, but, you know, what's your favourite thing about motherhood? Oh, I love my baby so much. Um, <laughs> I really do. That wasn't being sarcastic. Um, just, you know, like I just love watching them experience new things and seeing mm. Things through their eyes is just so grounding, you know, like watching them experience something for the first time and they just revel in the small things in life. They're fascinated by things that we would never even notice. And that is just when you, you know, there's a saying that goes around, see the, see the world through a child's eyes. And it truly is mm. remarkable. Like everything is just, yeah, it's wonderful to them or wonderful or they can be very dramatic and it can be terrible, but seeing the world <laughs> through children's eyes is incredible. So I'm very grateful that I have my children. I'm very fortunate that I was able to have two beautiful, healthy children. One of them is an absolute delight. One of them is an absolute <laughs> menace, but he is also a real <laughs> mummy's boy. And um, I think he keeps everyone really entertained. But yeah, he's he's a funny little boy. He's mini me, definitely. <laughs> he looks like Chris, but he's mini me. He's nuts. Um, he's, yeah, it's, it's so nice. But having kids and having having a business is not easy. We've got no family here. And I sometimes think, people say to me, how do you do it all? I just think, oh, well, of course you do it. But then I think, fuck, how do I do it all? Like, mm. it really is full on juggling it all without having family help. Every time we wanted to do anything, go for dinner or go to the movies, you've got to pay for a babysitter. And then dinner becomes like $600 because you've got to pay a babysitter. So that was hard. Mm. And that freaking doll that we're going to be gifting to Lala on Saturday, I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to see how that goes down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she's going to – I reckon she's actually going to love it. She's either going to really love it or she's going to burst into tears. Mm. I might just – I might, I might put uh, a beanie on I it. think – yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for, for a bit of backstory in case you missed it, basically there's these dolls that are quite real looking um, and <laughs> you bought one and it didn't really – show up looking like it's in the photo <laughs> you know when you buy something online you're like that's gonna be amazing it's really cheap you're like yeah amazing that it rocks up it is not that dress that was this yeah. doll this doll looks like a yeah. little tiny donald trump with a with a toupee oh. <laughs> it just is not right the poor little thing but i reckon she's actually gonna secretly love it so i, I yeah. like stand by for that and if anyone wants to go back they can check my highlight reel and the highlight reel is called creepy doll because i mean everyone just loves it so much <laughs> 
I recommend. Well, that's one of my favourite things about watching your stories is reading the... I love when you... Sometimes you'll just... It's like reading a storybook. You write what happened. Yes. Um, and it, I love reading them so much. So I highly recommend everyone going back <laughs> and looking through your highlight reel because it is hilarious. Oh, the Eddie ones are crazy. So the kids are away right now at my in-laws because it's school holidays. And I've taken this time because he's... You know, he's a hoarder. I mean... If, if you're back going back to the highlight reels, everyone check the Eddie hoarding highlight reels because they're also pretty wild. But he's hoarded the whole house and he's hoarded his desk, he's hoarded his bed, he's got bags, like backpacks full, bags inside bags inside bags full of just random things like twigs from the ground, like there's shit everywhere. And I'm just slowly but surely going through everything whilst he's away for the school holidays. Just clear. He's going to come back and start hoarding again. But just for my peace of mind, I've got like a week of it being tidy. <laughs> How old is he? He's five. Oh, that's a young hoarder. He's a, no, he's young. He's been hoarding forever. He's hoarded since he was two. And so we went and saw the pediatrician last week and I was like, what's wrong with him? And he's like, no, no, no. It's just some kids do weird things. I'm like, he's going to be on one of those shows. Like, you know, there's people in Bondi that have just a front yard and backyard full of stuff that's just piled up. That's going to be Eddie. Anyway, <laughs> you guys would be like, you know, That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify the age because I, I was going to say I, he looks very young, but I was like, is he secretly like 17 or something? No, he's five he's and five. he's boarding. <laughs> and also he gets really embarrassed about it. This is a funny part. So he gets really embarrassed about his hoarding and I'll go, Eddie, where are you putting this? Like, he gets like really shit. Mum, don't look. Don't, don't look, mum. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So we'd love to touch now on something a little bit more serious, I suppose. And that is how, well, firstly, we want to say thank you for being so open mm. about anxiety um, on, on social media. And you talk so openly about it, which is so important because there's such a big stigma around it and it is so normal. So thank you for doing that. We'd favorite. love to know how you deal with it. Huh. <laughs> well, I guess for years, I, I, I've probably always been an anxious person. I've always been turbo. And that's the one thing I've noticed with my son and the pediatrician agreed. He said he's obviously got, um, he's just super hyperactive. Do you know what I mean? And he's that I'm the same. So sleep never really came easy to me, same as Eddie. So I'm seeing a lot of patterns there. So I I don't think I hoarded. (laughs) But um, (laughs) that's obviously carried into adulthood. And that's probably why I'm such a go-getter because I've always got a lot of energy. However, that can sometimes translate to not sleeping and then always doing so much, not taking time out for yourself then turned into anxiety. And I think in this day and age, we're all on socials, we're all trying to do everything, trying to be everything for everyone. I was trying to be a good wife, a good friend, a good mother, a good sister, a good daughter, a good businesswoman, a good boss, a good everything, and eventually it all caught up. And yeah, so my GP, I had a a panic attack. I had my first ever, thankfully my first and only panic attack. And it was like an out-of-body experience. Like, I actually had to get undressed. It was really, I started sweating. I just couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. And it was all because a client, and she may be listening, she's still a dear friend of mine now, but she asked me a couple of questions that just threw me over the edge. And so then I had this panic attack. She, like, calmed me down, which was incredible because she'd actually had one before, believe it or not. It was, like, the perfect storm that she happened to be there. I was about to start tattooing her eyebrows. So you can imagine I had, like, a really shaky hand. I didn't finish them that day, thank God. Um, but then I went to my doctor and my GP, who'd been seeing me for nearly 10 years, said, yeah, I noticed this coming on. Eight years at the time, yeah, I noticed this coming on. 
and I think you should start taking an anti-anxiety medication. And I just was like, no way, uh-uh, no way, that's not me, I don't need that, I'm a hero, blah, 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 blah. And then the more I read into it, and my parents read into it, and Chris read into it, and we just decided, let's, I'll try it. And so I went back to her, I think, two months later, and then I started on Lexapro. And I think back now, I think, why was I so in denial about it? Why did I not want to take anything? Because it's just changed my life for the better. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a while there, it was obviously very taboo talking about the fact that people had either a mental health issue or um, anything like that. It wasn't really spoken about broadly. And when I decided to come out, I mean, I've been very open about it the whole time that I've been on it. It's been nearly like just over, oh no, it's been nearly two years now, a year and a half. It's been a year and a half that I've been on it. People need to be more encouraged to speak about things that, like vulnerability and things like this because this is this is the new generation. You know, we're all in this world that's just flat out all the time. Like everyone's on socials, everyone's trying to do all of this thing. You know, like people are suffering and not not wanting to go on something because it's not spoken about. It's almost like it's oh you failed if you're on something like that. Well, no, you haven't. If you've got a heart murmur, you're on heart medication. If you've got asthma, you take a puffer. It's just like it's just another medication that's an aid that helps you get through whatever issue it may be, and. I'm also now seeing a psychiatrist and a therapist and I think people should be talking, you know, because we've got a lot on our plate. Being a mother and a business owner, there is no downtime. You know, when people say to me, oh, you should listen to this and you should read that, I think, where? When have I got the time for that? And I, I really don't have much time for anything, which is really sad. And that's taking it back to why I feel covid and 2020 has been a blessing for a lot of people because it made you realise why is everyone rushing and what for? Slowing down was the best thing I ever did. You know, that 10 weeks, I actually enjoyed it. You know, as bad as that sounds, I really did enjoy it because it was so abnormal for me. Um, but it's made me realise I don't have to rush so much. I don't have to be, be this person for everyone and people aren't going to die if they don't get their eyebrows done. Well, that's good. And it, it is. It's so nice. And so, as Laura said, thank you so much for being so open about it. It's really important. I think that everyone is because of how unbelievably common mm. um, things like that are. And, and going to speak to someone, I think, is, is, is super important for people to know is like just as normal as going to talk to your GP about a cold you've got coming on. So that's really great. And I think what I've picked up from you is, and obviously I think this might have a lot to do with like maybe even your decision to go down the beauty industry um, outside of obviously just enjoying it. You obviously like to help people. You like to make people feel good. And one thing you did, and this does not feel like it was in the same year of mm -hmm. 2020, but it actually was, was raise money for the bushfire appeal. And you raised $250,000. And I know you did it with community, but like that is so incredible. And you must be so proud. And what, what was that like? Yeah, that was pretty amazing. That was incredible. I mean, everyone at that time was just mm. desperately trying to do anything they could to help out. And so this just happened, again, very organically. Um, and it grew and grew and grew until we end up raising in, yeah, $250,000 mm. in a day. But we organised this huge market. I think it was in five days and I did it from the other side of the country. I was on this <laughs> remote island off the coast of Perth. I was on Rottnest Island organising this. Like, it was insane. Like, it was organising that from <laughs> the other side of the country on an island. It was amazing. Um, but I guess I've always been a bit like that. I've always wanted to help whoever I can, where I can. Yeah, so this year we're looking at really trying to give back to initiatives in our own backyard. Um, and so we've got quite a bit happening there, which is really exciting. And I'm looking forward to um, rolling all that's of that awesome. out. Is that, do you reckon that that's your, your purpose in life, you know, like looking after people and helping other people? Oh, <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> I don't know. Eyebrows or <laughs> philanthropy. No, I mean, definitely I've always mm. wanted to help people. And... 
um, I guess, as I said, coming from the Kimberley, seeing what's happening up there, um, there's, there's kids up there that definitely really need our help. So if I can help, if I having my voice and my platform, even though it's small, but it's <laughs> mighty, um, if I can help those kids with some of the connections I have here, I mean, that's just a bonus, right? Yeah, it definitely yeah. is mighty. And thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We've loved chatting you. to you so much and we can't wait for our I community to listen to it. Yeah, and we honestly, I have oh, seen same. so much about your studio, but I've never got to step foot in it. So I can't wait for Me too. the borders to open <laughs> up again and for us to come visit because it's honestly so beautiful and I can't congratulate you enough on everything. Well, I can't wait to have you guys <laughs> up here. Whatever that may be. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. Well, that was awesome. She was a ball of fun. Yeah, and I honestly, as I already said, but I very much recommend watching her stories. Yeah. They are so funny with her kids and the hoarding, just like, yeah. like a five-year-old. Like, obviously, <laughs> as long as it's all a joke, yes. <laughs> but um, it's so funny. So, yeah, we highly recommend following Kristen. And if you are in Sydney, going and visiting her for yeah. some eyebrow waxing yeah this even just looking at the studio it looks so beautiful (laughs) i just want to go and visit it but thanks again for listening guys we will be back next wednesday with another awesome episode you can find us online at www.keepitcleaner.com.au you can also find us on instagram at keepitcleaner at laura.henshaw at steph claire smith and we will see you but not see you you next next week talk to you next week (laughs) Bye. bye